Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Cody Barton, another player in the Phoenix market. <laughs> another one. Another one. <laughs> and we're gonna talk about how he went from six figures doing multi-level marketing to kind of getting lost, I think, a little bit. Yeah. To now owning <laughs> dozens of rental properties and having a wholesaling and fix and, and fix and flipping operation. So uh, if this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, founder of the Offer Fast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I help entrepreneurs create businesses that support their family, lifestyle, and goals through mentorship. I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. In fact, we've got our workshop coming up in three weeks. If you guys want to check that out, go to disruptors.com slash workshop. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for the show. I don't make any money doing this. Here's all I ask. This is what it costs for you to listen to this show. If you get value today, please tell a friend. Either share this episode right now, tag a friend below, or tell me your best takeaway from the show later on. That way we can all grow together. And uh, Cody and I were just talking. I actually didn't get settlement statements from Cody. And it's the first time in a long <laughs> why, time. Why is that? <laughs> because he uses my title company. So I actually can just go in there and look at it if I really need to. But since we're already doing business together, I need to get the settlement statements. So this is a live show. Please ask your questions for Cody to answer. Uh, he's an open book. so. First question is real simple, is what got you into real estate? Man, well, I mean, it all kind of goes back to um, when I was a little bit younger, when I was a teenager, I always wanted to, I was like the black sheep in school. I always wanted to make a lot of money and like school kind of pushes you down that path of like, you need to get a job and work really hard. You know, it's like the, the 40, 40, 40 plan, get a job, work for 40 hours a week for 40 years of your life and hopefully retire off 40% of that income that wasn't already enough in the first place. And I'm right. like, I don't like that plan. So <laughs> I'm like looking at different things to different ways to make money really. And so I, I got into initially network marketing cause I'm like, okay, I can make money here. Um, did that for a few years, uh, built a business all over the world. And that was a ton of fun, learned a lot. It really grew me up, you know, made me grow up really quickly. Well, I think we should talk about that because yeah. that's how you made some of your connections as well. Yes. Definitely. So you want to talk about what, what MLM that was? Yeah. Um, the company was Vima okay. and really I, I got into that. My sister was in the company. She introduced me to it. I got started and I just started taking massive action, which um, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just took a lot of action and I was just super persistent. I was consistent and persistent. So I was just continuously taking action and within you know, a year and a half built up a team of over 2000 people in that company. Really? Yeah, wow. it was crazy. Well, and the reason why I wanna like talk about this is because there have been a few guests on the show already. <laughs> yeah, that I knew from there. <laughs> right, so, I mean, there was, uh, there was Nick and Octavius. Yep. And there was Brandon. Brandon yep. Right, so it's crazy like, you know, uh, I still remember going back a long time ago, back when I was still in engineering. Yeah. Uh, I was reading uh, Multiple Streams of Income uh -huh. by Robert Allen. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the value of just going, getting into multi-level marketing, not because it makes you rich. Yes, no. <laughs> but most people don't make any money. So. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, no, most people don't make any money in real estate either, but right. you know. <laughs> but it teaches you the valuable skills you need yep. to be a business owner. 
Exactly. I mean, the things that you learn, I mean, networking, number one, like yeah. number one is your net worth is going to be, you know, what your network is, is filled with. So within that business, I was getting surrounded by people that were, you know, making six, seven figures, eight, even eight figures a year. Yeah. And so those people were directly mentoring me, telling me the books to read, telling me the things to do, telling me the changes to become a better person. Mm-hmm. A lot so of mindset stuff. It, exactly. Which transfers over to anything that you're really doing. Right. So were you the big closer that they flew in? I was the I was the flying. I was the trainer. Okay. I, so basically, I didn't understand the the visionary integrator relationship, but my business right. grew really well because I recruited visionaries and the visionaries on my team. I didn't really? know it at the time, but they were the visionaries where they would bring people. How were you recruiting visionaries? I would just show them the plan. I was just consistent and I was persistent on showing the plan, showing the plan, showing the plan. And they were the ones that were able to then take it and be able to be, you know, that motivational speaker, the one that got everyone fired up. So mm-hmm. basically what would happen is I'd go into a different market. We'd be doing our, you know, our regional trainings and things like that. I would go in there and structure the whole event to make sure it was going to accomplish what we needed to mm-hmm. have them go up and speak and do the rah, rah, and everyone's excited. And then I would teach everyone actually what to do. That was, that's how we did. Yeah. The systems, right. the systems to making it work. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Very cool. But you were higher up in the pyramid or at some point yeah. there were a lot of people, at least beneath you Yeah. in the pyramid. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And then, so that was working really well, mm-hmm. but then, but then what happens is, well, it was sort of interesting because it was a lot of young people that made a lot of money in that company. I mean, a lot of money at, you know, it's, when you're 18, hundred grand plus a year, like you're rich, you know? It's so a lot of money at 18. Yeah. So, and I was just like, all right, you know, so basically the, the biggest thing that happened is what I think happened is there were so many people in the company that started making a lot of money and the personal development hadn't really caught up with that. So, you know, making a lot of very bad financial decisions, they weren't, you know, really in, in the leadership position to take the business from where it was to continuing to grow it. So mm-hmm. slowly it started to taper off and it actually started to, you know, dwindle down. Like I remember going from, you know, a little over 2000 people and the team to just seeing it kind of slowly, but surely started, you know, declining. And that's when I started realizing, I'm like, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> I don't really want to do this anymore. It's okay. just, you know, it's a different kind of different kind of beast. But did you leave? while the money was good or you started leaving me it's like the writing was on the wall the writing was on the wall and i re- i realized that so what did i do i'm like what what else can i do to go make money my mm-hmm. my mom had a real estate license so i'm like i'm gonna go get my real estate license right so i didn't know what wholesaling was i wish i did otherwise i would have just done that first so when was this so this was back i mean shoot uh 2015 okay. so this is so a not- while you say a while ago. A while ago for me, like I, I was 21. Not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not I mean, that long ago. And I want to, and I, I bring that up because a lot of people think like it takes forever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really like five years, I think to build a business to what you mm-hmm. have, five years is a really short period of time. Yeah. Right. So yeah. anyway, so you get, you, you go get your real estate license. Yep. How was that experience? Uh, it sucked. I hated it. I hated school. So I, I knew I had to go through it. So I, I crammed, I crammed, I crammed, got my license after failing three times and finally passing, got the license. And then I just, you know, I started just taking a lot of action. I was doing open houses every weekend. I was door knocking, I was cold calling and I didn't have a, you know, my database, I'm 21. I didn't have a bunch of people that are, you know, 
insecure jobs already to go sell houses. So I had to go find new clients. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what I did. And so first year was a little rocky. Within the second year, I started getting momentum, you know, started, you know, I got an assistant, got a couple of agents working, working under me and um, did that for, did that uh, next year. Did one more year of that. So I think it was like three full years as an agent. And how was and, that? Uh, hated it. How was it financially though? Oh, it wasn't bad. Like I was making, so the first year I think I made like 60 grand and then the next two years I was making, you know, mid 100s, like 150. So it was okay. Like I was used to, I was already kind of used to making that mm -hmm. and network marketing without, you know, all of the expenses. So that's grossing that doesn't mean you're netting that. All right. So, you know, the, the biggest thing that I took from being an agent was I didn't want to do it anymore because I didn't like dealing with clients. Mm -hmm. And just recognizing that about my personality, that's why I'm working. I work well as an integrator. Is I don't like dealing with the people. I like right. my people. I like our team. You know, I like dealing with the team. But as far as dealing with clients, I was like, not really what I want to do. <laughs> so, wholesaling. Yeah. How did you come across? How did you come upon it? Uh, well, really, it's funny because some of the guys at Keegley, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Josiah, Hunter, and then I hadn't met Jamil yet, but I was actually in a small. Uh, Bible study with Josiah and Hunter. Really? Yeah. Before, oh, I had no idea. This is when they were first starting Keegley a few years ago. Um, and so they were starting that and I was, you know, understanding wholesaling a little bit more um, and, you know, just kind of seeing what they were starting and doing. I was like, man, like I really got to look at doing wholesale and fix and flips and, you know, that side of the business. And so uh, basically watched you know, kind of what they were doing and it got me excited and I had met a couple other investors around town. And so I started, uh, you know, doing some door knocking on pre-foreclosures and got my first, literally, this is the thing is I didn't know anything about fix and flips. I didn't understand really how wholesale exactly worked, but I went and just door knocked pre-foreclosures and got someone to believe, believe that I could help them and brought an investor that I knew that right. would flip the house and we partnered on the deal and that was the first flip that I ever did. And I didn't know what I was doing. I and just took this? action. This is, shoot, 20, I mean, the years kind of merged together, honestly, now like 2015, 2016. Okay, so you discovered. 17, I don't even know. Well, I guess anymore. my question <laughs> is, when w the transition from traditional real estate yeah. to wholesale. Yeah, so that was, was probably like 2017 then or 2018. Yeah. Yeah, 2018 is when I started really transitioning into just wholesale. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So then, and I want to hit this point here because yeah. like you invested in yourself. Yes. Right. I mean, you you took you went to events. You yes. were learning stuff. Yes. But you were still struggling. On the wholesale on, side. On the wholesale yeah. side. You yeah. Want, you definitely. Because I think it's important, right? A lot of people watch this show, and they see the success. Mm -hmm. And for some people might think, oh, it's really easy. Yeah. Like, let me just go ahead and just go get a couple systems, <laughs> buy a couple lists, skip trace yeah. it, text yeah. it, and then I'm making six figures a year. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really work like that. <laughs> so that sounds about great. <laughs> so I think it's really important to talk about the journey because even yeah. though you have massive success today, there was a time where you were not feeling so successful. Yes. Let's, let's, let's talk about that time. Yeah, definitely. So, well, really what I decided is there was a day and it was in 2018 when I just, cause I was kind of, I was still doing some traditional deals and kind of just holding on to that. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, trying to work into doing wholesale deals. So I'd do like one every other month. It just wasn't really, wasn't really going. And so mm -hmm. 
I just kind of had to burn the bridges with, I'm just like, I am done doing traditional real estate. I am only going to do wholesale right. and I'm going to do it the ways that everyone says you can. I'm going to drive for dollars. I'm going to start doing that. So what I did was I made my plan. I remember I would wake up literally, this was my plan Monday through Sunday. I would wake up, I'd map out where I was going to drive for dollars for the day. This is before the freaking deal machine app and all the, you know, the great tools that you could use. So I was way more would, tools today than there were. Yeah, there's ago. so many more tools and people like, oh, I can't figure it out. I'm like, really? Like you have so many resources to do this. I mean, this right. show is helpful in itself. Right. So I mapped it out. I would map out, okay, where am I going to drive? A lot of these areas were in South Phoenix because I just knew there was areas over there that, you know, visually could be on my driving for dollars list. So yep. I would map it out. I would drive from about 10 a.m. to about 2 30 3 o'clock i would you know add addresses to my list i would go home and i was handwriting those i was handwriting in a yellow notebook all all of those addresses i would take those home i would individually skip trace all of those addresses i would cold call them one by one yeah and that was what i did to start and i got my first deal in the first month and i just tried to do it all by myself to just figure it out you know, the end buyer that I found just by cold calling LLCs took advantage of me, you know, kind of pushed me down on my price. I didn't really know. It was a lot that I actually got under contract. Yeah. The lady that I got under contract, I'm like, I don't even know if this is a good enough deal, but I got it. I made like three grand on that deal. And I was like, all right, well, proof of concept that it works. You could, you know, drive for dollars and do it. And that was in right. a month. Yeah. So then I took that $3,000. I reinvested all of it. I didn't take any of it. I had money saved from, you know, being a realtor. So, I just took that three grand. I bought a CRM from Carlos and Sal at that time because I'm like, I know I need a CRM to get my stuff organized. Um, Brandon Schwamm, which mm -hmm. is a guest on the show, he's like, dude, you got to do texting. So I'm like, got it, perfect. So then I took that the rest of the money, got a small list, started texting, got a package of six houses that you know at that time, um, you know the dispo source was Jaden Pudney over at Carlos and Sal's company. Mm -hmm. They helped me get that deal done, made 18 grand, took that 18 grand, reinvested it, reinvested it. Long story short, you know, probably four more months went by. I was getting one or two contracts a month, but for the amount of leads I was generating, I should be getting a lot more. And they were, and they were always smaller because on the acquisition side where it's not my strong suit, I always want to give the seller more and I always want to sell it for less because I'm like, oh man, I'm selling it to my friend. Like I want them to make money mm -hmm. acquiring it from the seller. Oh, I feel bad for the seller situation. So on a deal I should have made 15, 20 grand on, I'm making five because I feel bad for everyone and want to make sure everyone's happy. Right, it's that, that, um, that glue that yeah. Part of it, like, is part of being that introverted personality. Yes, yeah. Right? You just want to make everyone happy. Yes. You want cohesiveness. Yes. And so on. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, so then, is this around the same time that you connected with Pace? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I think this is an important story, right? Because you know, mm -hmm. I've said from the beginning, from episode one, we want to create hundred millionaires. Yeah. Right. And so, um, and you were you were already having success. Mm -hmm. I was closing deals. I yeah. was making money. But right. I was I was not even like touching the potential of what I could be doing. And I knew that I knew I needed to find something. And I had tried finding other people that love to do the sales side and mm -hmm. I just wasn't really finding it. So I'm like, well, I'll just do it myself. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. So that that's just where I was at. And so what ended up happening, I remember I was sitting at my desk upstairs in my office. I was texting. I had I always had my dual monitors. I always would listen to your show. So I was listening to, to you interviewing Pace. Mm -hmm. And on that show, he was, you know, it's like he was closing 10 to 11 deals on his own every month. And I'm like, 
what is he doing? I'm like this. And then I'm, he's like the master of sales. And mm. then he mentioned he lived in Mesa. And I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. Right. So I literally, I stopped what I was doing. He gave out his number on the show, mm-hmm. which he sometimes regrets now. He's crazy. <laughs> I t- I've told him every time. And he still does every once in a while. I think he's a crazy person. Yeah. So I, I remember I texted him. I'm like, hey, Pace, I just saw you on Steve Trang's show. Loved it. I just wanted to reach out to you. I've actually been generating a lot of leads. I don't think I'm you know, doing the best job at closing all of these opportunities. Can I just bring these leads to you and you just close them? I don't need to make any money on them. I just wanna learn, I wanna get better. You're obviously closing a lot of deals. I just wanna get better. I'll just bring you these leads. Just show me your process when you're closing those. Yeah. So the reason I did that is I understood from like when I was in network marketing, you have to leave with value. Like mm-hmm. there's too many people that are takers that are just trying to, you know, and take. a lot of people say it. Yes. But so let's expand on that because yeah. it's important. Yes. I think it's, it's critical, critically important. It mm-hmm. sounds kind of cliche now. Yes. So when you say leave with value, what did that, what did that mean? Leading with value. I understand like, so where I was sitting, I'm like, what do I have to offer pace mm-hmm. at that time? I have leads. What can those leads do for Pace? Those That could bring more money to take care of his family. Mm-hmm. What is that gonna do for me? I get to watch him go through the sales process, close those leads, and actually get better. Yeah. So if I get better, that's gonna make me more money. Right. So that's what I, that's what, you know, that's what you have to do. And I think so many times, like people reach out to me, people reach out to Pace, people reach out to you, mm-hmm. and they just, they're like trying to take, Hey, like people, you know, Pace will tell people like, yeah, like Cody could help answer that. And people will text me and they'll be like, hey, you need to give me this. And I'm like, excuse me? I don't even respond. So, you know, if you're watching the show and you've texted me demanding something, I will never respond. So, but that's the thing is like, there's too many people that they they aren't leading with any value. Right. And, and so that's what I understood with that was, I wanna bring him lead opportunities so he can make money, support his family even better. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm gonna learn and become better. Like right. you have to, you know, people at the beginning, they're so caught up in like making so much money. They see, you know, Lambos and they see like all the gurus that are making tons of money. And it's like, yeah, that's that's gonna be part of the process if you were willing to go through the process. Right. But there is a process. You have, to, you have to learn the business. And some of the best ways to learn the business is finding people doing well bringing the value that you can actually bring to that individual and leading with that and not expecting something in return. Right. That's the biggest thing. So I think there's a couple of really important points here, right? So you're listening to the show. So thank you initially for listening, yeah, listening to the show. I appreciate that. So be- honestly, best, uh, and I'm not, it, obviously I'm on the show, but I think this is the best podcast that yeah. you can be, like people that are listening to this, like this is what helped me on the days where I was frustrated, cold calling, getting bad numbers. I was using like skipping on Intellius and I'm just like, oh my God, like I got to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> and this show just, you know, continues to give encouragement. So yeah. I love what you're doing with the show. It's been, it's been amazing. Well, I appreciate that. Um, but you, not only that, you took Pace's info, reached out to him, yeah. connected with him, yes. and t- continue to take action. I think that's one of the themes that a lot of people miss. Mm-hmm. Is um, and and I'm not saying anyone's uh, uh, um, not made this mistake. Like we've all had a little bit of getting stuck with paralysis analysis. And course, Lauren last week was talking about like yeah. one of the things that, like, she does as a coach is just helping people get out of analysis paralysis. Yeah, but you you're a pretty analytical person. Yes, but you're still taking action. And yep. he's like, oh, that guy has. That guy that can't believe he gave out his phone number, but since he did, <laughs> let's jump on it. Yeah. And you know, I run with Pace. Yeah. Right. So we talk fairly regularly. Yeah. 
a lot of people called him. Yeah. Not a lot of people said, hey, I have leads for you to close. Yeah. I don't think he's told me anyone else that said, I have leads for you to close. Let's work together. Yeah. Right. So well, I mean, that's massive, you know, respect for that. Yeah. Because pe- the, the thing people say, it'll be, you know, the first thing, like people will be like, yeah, I have this lead. How much am I going to make yeah. if you close this deal? What am I going to make on the deal? It's like, that's what people come at you with. And it's like, dude, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, that that's the thing is, you know, leading with that value. And so um, that, you know, what happened there is I remember he texted me back. He's like, hey, I'm going to Dallas. I can't meet, you know, reach out to me next week. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, hopefully that's not him trying to brush me off because I will reach out again <laughs> next week. Yeah. So, so I knew the day he was getting back, reached out like, hey, let's get together. Where are you at? Any time of the day. I don't care. I'll meet up with you. And we went to uh, we went to dinner, talked. A couple days went by. We met at a McDonald's because he got his golf tournament got canceled. So he mm-hmm. hit me up and he's like, "Hey, do you have any leads that you're working on?" And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> where are you at?" And he's like, "I'm driving over here." He's like, "Meet me at this McDonald's." So we met at the <laughs> so random. <laughs> yeah, so we meet at this McDonald's and I just put together. I had my five hottest leads that I was working on that mm-hmm. I was floundering with closing right. And within a week, we got one of those, uh, no, it was literally within like four days, we got one of those contracted, we made 20 grand on it. Um, and he's like, yeah, like, you know, we split it 50-50. I'm like, dude, I don't care, but you know, thank you, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, just generate more leads. And within like another week, we got three more contracts. And I'm right. like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> this works. Yeah, I'm like, this works. And so, um, you know, a couple months of doing that, and I was like, all I did was I just started taking that money and I'm like, pumping more leads. I'm like, if I could just keep getting more leads and just, you know, teeing them up, setting up appointments for Pace to go and close those leads, this works out great. Right. So that's what we did for a couple months. And after a couple months of like dating, I remember we're sitting in his living room and he's like, I think this was like, uh, it was like an April or March, March of last year. And he's like, if we don't hate each other in like two months, like, why don't we just partner? So... <laughs> <laughs> There you go. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> right. And so since then, you guys have partnered up. Yeah. Where you got America Home Offers. Yep. You've got um, sub to creative financing. Mm-hmm. What does your company look like today? Because it's got so many moving parts. Yeah, there's a lot now. There's a lot of things going on. <laughs> so like, what are the companies you guys have together? Yeah. And we'll talk about each one of those. Yeah. So. American uh, American Home Offers is our wholesaling company. And so um, basically within that, we have two acquisition guys, uh, three acquisition guys, Tino, Nick, amazing guys, shout out to you guys, love you guys. Um, And then we have Daniel, he's a newer uh, junior acquisition, which he just got his first contract yesterday, so proud of him. Awesome. Um, And then we have Anna, which she's kind of a Swiss army knife, like she works within our American Home Offers business, um, you know, doing, you know, some podio management and kind of some lead management as well. But then she also manages our construction on our flips for our other business. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have Rochelle, she's our transaction coordinator for that business. We have Jeff, he's our disposition um, agent for that business as well. Um, and then I'm, you know, running the marketing for it and I'm actually in the process. We've built a really strong virtual team and I'm basically, I'm almost at the point where one of my VAs is talented enough where he's able to run all of our marketing, Mm -hmm. manage all of our VAs, manage the amount of leads that we're getting on a daily basis and basically running the marketing department. So we're almost at that VA getting paid. He's getting $6 an hour. Wow, that's but, incredible value. Yeah, it's incredible value. And But the thing is, you know, we, I, care, I care a lot about him. I care about his family. 
I, you know, at, at Christmas, it's like, you know, we're sending him, you know, Christmas gifts for his kids. Like we're, he's getting bonuses whenever deals are closing, you know, he's getting bonuses on, on those deals as well. And now since he's moved into this new role where I put him in management, he's getting an override on all of the cold callers, awesome. any of the texters on our team. So he is just super excited. He's in Columbia and and where he's in a city where most people, how they're making money in his city is they're like selling clothes and stuff on, you know, on, on the street corner. Yeah. So he, there's not a ton of opportunity. And so he's able to have a really big opportunity and he's a hard worker. And so, you know, I really am happy about, you know, what we've been able to build with our VA team. So um, so that's what our American Home Offers business looks like today. Right. Um, so you have the wholesaling operation. Yes. You have the flipping operation. Yep. And then you got this other entity that just holds a lot of properties. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we're, you know, actively still buying rentals, um, via subject to, and then we're, we're actually going to be doing more of the Burr model, um, mm -hmm. you know, inspired by like Zach keeps, you know, he's, you know, crushed it with that, obviously. He's doing very, very well. We <laughs> yeah. all, we all want to be Zach. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're integrating, doing a little bit more of that in our model as well. So we can, you know, be in really good equity positions on some of those properties as well. Um, yeah. so we have that, um, we have, uh, you know, investment in, you know, a virtual assistant company that um, one of our friends, Matt owns. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've been helping with building that out as well. Um, and that's been, you know, a ton of fun to work on. And, um, you know, then we also are partnered with Annie, Jesse and Evo on the go knock app. I mean, there's a lot of things like we, <laughs> that we're right. working on. So, so <laughs> right now your wholesaling operation. Yeah. On average, how many deals a month are you guys wholesale? So on average, direct to seller, yeah. it's about eight. About eight on average, yeah. Okay, and your as average fee on those fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Mm -hmm. It actually just started going up. We were actually a little bit closer to like ten to twelve a few months back. I was gonna say we're at have thirteen. You, have you okay? Because we started noticing we've been going up a little bit more. But what we've also started doing is we've been pounding on our sales training. Like Pace has made it a really big point on hammering the team on sales training mm -hmm. where that wasn't happening as much. Like we have John Martinez sales training that mm -hmm. they're going through on a weekly basis and they have yeah. modules to complete. They have role play sessions to do, but Pace has been doing a lot more in-person training with them, yeah. recording calls. And He's we've better. just dialed in that process right. a lot more on, you know, helping our sales guys get better, yeah. you know, personal development, doing you know, individual meetings on a weekly basis with, with the sales guys. Those were the things we weren't doing within mm -hmm. the last couple months. And then right. also one of the things that, um, that we just started using was smartphone. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've heard of that. Yes. So, so we started using smartphone in our podio and it's been great. You know, our guys can dial through uh, a lot more. Mm -hmm. And so they're just, they're being a lot more effective too. Obviously that doesn't change the spread, but as far as dials that they're able efficiency, to make on a deal. Sure. Yeah. Efficiency. So, yeah. So then let's go to the flips. Mm -hmm. How many of you guys, <sighs> closing on the flips per month closing on the flips two, say two, two okay. on a monthly basis we're looking at ramping that up a little bit to go to get to three to four of those a month all right um there's part of there's a conservative side of me paces on like let's do all the flips and then i'm you know reeling <laughs> that back i'm like well elections coming up there's uncertainty a little bit in the market right now the market is hot here which is you know it's just you know, houses are selling really right. quickly. It's showing no signs of slowing down. Yeah. But it could. But it could. <laughs> it could. <laughs> so yeah. so that's uh that's kind of where, where I'm at with that is, you know, I'm I'm happy if we're taking down two to three new flips a month mm -hmm. and if we're able to make, you know, twenty to thirty thousand net on those, I'm ecstatic. Right. But what we've been noticing, I don't know if you've noticed this too, is on our we've been getting beat up on our benzers lately. The last couple months, like 
our buyers have been beating us up on benzers we haven't been getting beat up on benzers um we have been i mean let me take a step back we are we are making repairs yeah but these are like yeah that's those repairs we should probably i mean we just had one right now that we're closing uh in six days uh-huh. where we got like on the benzer or not in benzer, on the inspection report it's like hey this roof is shot yeah here are two bids for the roof and it's 18k from two different companies how big is the house? It's a pretty big house. I'm looking at it's like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> We're going to have to go back on the market. And they submitted the Benzer. And it was like, uh, you know, tweak the AC, fix the pool motor. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. For the, You just sent me the, the report that says the roof is shot. And then the Benzer is like $2,500 worth of repairs. So I asked Kristen, like, verify. Mm-hmm. Make sure that that's actually what they're saying they want. Because if that is, we're going to tell them we're going to think about it but it's a hell yes <laughs> yeah right? i mean that that's great i mean our last couple benzers we've been i mean it's stuff that should be fixed it's we've just been having bad luck with some of our you know like ac goes out mid escrow i mean mm-hmm. you know stuff like that has you know happened on a couple of the ones lately and well that's the fun part of flipping right yeah yeah so we you know we basically just account for a five thousand dollar benzer on every deal we don't mm-hmm. even we're just like if they're if we're just accounting on it i think that's a pretty safe spot uh yeah. so andrew's a great question is what is a benzer so uh, we're in Arizona, so we call it the buyer oh, yeah. inspection notice seller response. So, Binzer. Yep. Um, okay, so then I think we got a lot of sub two people here. Yeah. I see a lot of peace signs. I'm sorry, yeah. sub two signs <laughs> uh, in here. So, let's talk about your, your, your sub two business. How many are you guys picking up right now, direct to seller, as far as creative financing deals? So, on the creative financing deal side, we were going from, we were acquiring a lot. Like, we were picking up three to five a month mm-hmm. towards the end of last year and at the beginning of this year. I expected like 10 in October or yeah. something like that. Yeah, no, it was too much. <laughs> you know, my, you know, integrator <laughs> side, too much. Yeah. So now what we've done is we've been working on, over the last couple of months, we've been stabilizing those and now pretty much every single one besides we have one property that isn't stabilized yet. And so now we're starting to acquire again. So we stopped acquiring let's for ex- a couple of months. Let's explain what stabilize means. Yeah, so stabilize meaning they need to still be reno- you know, light renovation typically on those properties. So gotcha. you know, getting them rent ready and then getting a lease option tenant in those properties. So basically stabilized where we, the renovation is done. We have a tenant or an owner finance you know, buyer in that mm. property making the payment where we're not basically bleeding out money. That's right. what stabilized <laughs> means. <laughs> gotcha. What is your, your guys' typical turn time? So on uh, rental or? from when you guys close on a creative finance deal mm-hmm. till stabilized. Stabilized, I would say about 45 days, 45, 45, days. 45 to 60 days. So you guys are paying whatever that mortgage you Basically guys are assuming. two mortgages. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what does that run on average? Uh, anywhere from like 14, we don't usually do higher end stuff, so it's usually anywhere from 1400 to 1800. And then on the light highest. rehab, what are you guys looking at? Anywhere from, 2500 bucks to 7500 bucks. Okay. So all in less than 10k yeah. on a sub two, on a creative yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. And now you've got cash flow. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. What do you guys what do you guys have total as far as like between you and Pace? Uh, so he has prop- some deals that he's bought like outside of what me and him have, but mm-hmm. we have about 24 doors together. Awesome. Very cool. So I think one of the things that we talked about, so the first piece was taking action. Mhm. And I can never emphasize that enough. Yeah. That really ultimately of, of <laughs> all determining factors of what makes someone successful, action yeah. is the number one yep. thing. Now, the other thing is you, when you and Pace partner up, this is before traction. This mm-hmm. is before rocket fuel. Mm-hmm. So you guys were naturally doing it without yeah. 
understanding why it was working. Right. And there's also like the thing that you have to take into account too is there was a lot of frustration too when, you know, in the newer partnership where we didn't understand the rocket fuel, we didn't understand the traction. Mm -hmm. We were working together, but there's sometimes there's the overlap where you're in the new partnership and you're trying to let go of some things mm -hmm. that, you know, you're, it's the other person's jobs, you know? So that's where I would be trying to control things that I shouldn't be trying to control and vice versa. So, you know, some of those things you just kind of have to like work through and learn through. Thankfully, if you don't already have the book, it's like you have to get rocket fuel. Yeah. Traction is like a steroided out version, but mm -hmm. rocket fuel is a great book to start with. Right. And I think that's something that is really important for anyone that's got any kind of a partnership. I think yes. you've got to read rocket fuel. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the integrator role because mm -hmm. did you see it's been about two years by mm -hmm. year and a half since you partnered up with pace yep. right so you're working on your own mm -hmm. you got your own thing you're having success mm -hmm. but not this kind of success yeah not or, rocket not you know rocket ship success yeah right so you partner up with pace mm -hmm. and your, your business goes crazy and i'm not saying this is all pace mm -hmm. this is because of the partnership yep right because yep. when uh, when Pace came on the show, mm -hmm. he was still with Homevesters. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like, let's not forget, like you guys were both in your different spots, but neither of you guys were where are you guys today. Yeah, exactly. Right. So talk about, you know, walk someone through if they're watching this show and they're more of an integrator type personality mm -hmm. than a visionary, mm -hmm. what are some bits of wisdom that you can impart on them to help them with their journey? Yeah. So, so I would say, you know, if you're an integrator, I think you just have to, first of all, accept what you're good at and mm -hmm. what you're not good at. And it's not that you aren't good at something. It's just maybe that that's just not your, your, your natural strength. Yeah. It's like, I think people are the most successful in their life when they're able to focus on what their naturally, their natural strengths are because mm -hmm. they naturally probably enjoy it more. You know, people that like basketball, they're probably at least decent enough where they can play and they have fun with it. You know, someone that really hates it, probably it's because they're not good at it. Yeah. So, and that's, that was kind of my thing with the sales side is I didn't, I could do it, but I didn't really like it. So why not have someone that loves that be in that role? And yeah. so on so just understanding that and that's okay and, and understanding that it's okay because i think a lot of people are taught you know growing up that when you're in school um you have to be good at everything you right. have to be good at math you Shore have to be good weaknesses. at science you have to get your weaknesses under control which is one of the worst advice for business exactly i mean gary v talks about it it's like yeah. double down on your strengths mm -hmm. get better at what you're already good at because you're going to be able to provide more value so right. as an integrator understanding the things that you're good at, working on getting better at those things, and then understanding the things that you're not good at. And naturally, as an integrator, you're typically not gonna be as good at sales as a visionary is. So yeah. if you're a solo person working as an integrator, it probably makes sense either one is partner with somebody that is a visionary or hire salespeople. Yeah. This is what your first hire probably, so that you can right. you know get the marketing machine going and have your salespeople be able to, you know, do the sales side where your natural strength isn't. Yeah. So that's that's what I would look at as the, the right path. Yeah, and I think that's a really great point, right? Like you don't have to, even if you're an integrator, you don't need a visionary necessarily, no. right? I think there are plenty of visionaries that have actually been on the show. Yeah, yeah, there's a few. <laughs> right, so you could just pick the vision you like the best. Yeah. Right, and as an integrator, you know, if you're good at being an integrator, yeah. you can execute it. Yeah, it's and like where the rubber hits the road and actually makes it happen. Right, and then you can just hire the salespeople. Yes to go exactly. close the deals. Exactly. Yeah, so 
I think that's awesome. I think a lot of people need to uh, to be aware of that to open their eyes to it because I think it's kind of easy to say like, man, because I'm not a salesperson, I can't make this work, or I can't do this business because I can't do the sales side. It's, right. it's really that's not the truth. Right. Uh, so Leo Aguirre's question is: Did you ever imagine being on this show? Yes. When you were watching it, 100 percent. Awesome. 100 percent. I mean, that's I mean, that's part of that's part of success and like visualization. That's something that I that I learned back in network marketing is mm -hmm. when every event that we we're at, we we're constantly like envision yourself where you want to be. Envision what that's going to feel like, taste like, smell like the whole entire thing. Oh, really? Ex the whole deal. Like I've been, you know, Tony Robbins, uh, the whole deal. So, you know, it's like visualizing how that is going to look like and then making the decision that that's where you're going. And then you just have to wait for time to catch up because once right. you fully make the decision, you've envisioned what it's going to look like, then it's just time has to pass and you just need to take the action and you're eventually going to get there. It's just you don't know what it's going to look like when you, how long it's going to take and the right. obstacles, but you know what the end result is going to be. Yeah, I think that's awesome. The visualization, right? Yes. So what was it look like? What? Look like, smell like tastes like if you're eating there, you know, it's like the whole, all of your senses, like the more you can get all of your senses like wrapped around, you know, where you're actually mm -hmm. going to be, th that was a really big thing that we would get taken through a lot. And, you know, network marketing was, you know, visualizing, you know, what that's actually going to look like. So then once you're there, it's like, you already knew you were going to be there. Yeah. It just time hadn't caught up with that. So I think as a homework assignment for everyone who's watching this show <laughs> is to do that exercise. Yeah. Right. Hit all five senses. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, the last thing I'll add is act as if you were that person. Yes, act as if. So, yeah. so uh, an exercise that, um, well, Bob Proctor is, I'd highly recommend Bob Proctor mm -hmm. to anyone listening to the show for law of attraction, visualization, things like that. Um, but an exercise that I got taken through to help, you know, problem solve and help become more of the person that, you know, I want to become is, you know, looking at, say, like your top three to five uh, people that you look up to the most. And whenever you're struggling, or having an issue or you feel stuck, you know, taking yourself in a path and like visualizing yourself that you're you're in a boardroom and you have, you know, say Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, you know, the, those mo Steve Trang, all those people in the room yeah. that are like what you want to be like. And so you can trick your mind and have a ment this it sounds crazy, but you mm. can have a mental conversation and say if you're sitting at that table, I'm having this problem in my business. If I was, you know, if I'm asking Steve, how would Steve answer this question that I'm currently stuck on? How would Grant answer this question? Yeah. So you can get other perspectives from within by ha creating a different perspective. Right. Yeah. You're creating a mastermind in your head. Yes. That actually works. Internal mastermind. Yes. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Uh, Leo's got a follow-up question: Is what is your why? What is my why? Um, <clears throat> my why has been, you know, obviously besides helping helping my family, helping take care of my family and living, you know, a great life. Um, one of the biggest things that I've wanted to do since I was in network marketing and I was so frustrated with um, since I was a teenager was every, you know, creating something where I can help, you know, teenagers and then college age kids uh, find a different path to success in life and just, you know, help basically build a platform where I'm able to give back in a big way to teenagers and college age kids and help. I don't know what it looks like yet, but maybe it's building a website where it's like showing different, you know, professions that people can go into that isn't the get a job, work for 40 years, you know, retire, like yeah. doing that whole plan. Like I, I want to be able to create a platform that allows me to show teenagers and college age kids that there's other paths. 
It's not that their path, the path that school brings you through is wrong, but if you feel like it's wrong, hey, here are some other things that you can do that might bring you more joy, satisfaction, right. purpose, and fulfillment in your life. That's what I want to be able to, you know, that's what, that's like my passion project that I want to do, you know, within the next few years. That's awesome. It's something definitely I would like to be involved with. Yeah. Um, Lucky Singh has a question for you. Uh, I'm not going to... As an integrator, what are your top 10 tasks you do daily? I would limit it to maybe two or three. Yeah. So what are your top two or three tasks that you're um, responsible for every day? Getting a pulse on all the businesses. I mean, that's something I can't, I mean, that's something I do in a greater detail on a weekly basis, but I'm getting a pulse. I'm, I'm looking at, okay, you know, where, what projects need to be moved forward today, mm -hmm. you know, thing. So I know like what deadlines that we're looking at. So if on our wholesaling business, if our leads aren't up to par where they need to be, I'm looking at what can I do today to correct that or put us in a direction where it's going to be corrected. Yeah. Um, I look at, you know, I basically just look at all of our businesses uh, on a weekly basis and then I'm setting you know, actions for that week that are going to, you know, keep pushing those businesses forward. So it's not really any one or two things on a daily basis. It's, it's, I, I make a weekly plan on what items need to be moved forward and then yeah. work daily on those items. So it could change week by week, but it's everything to do with not the sales side. So er everything basically. Right. <laughs> the important, but not urgent. Yes. Category. Yes. Um, and then let's see what else was there. Uh, Daryl Thomas has an interesting question. Uh, what uh, he says that he has trust issues. What advice do you have in that regard? Trust issues with like business partner, or uh, I mean, how do we want to interpret that? I'm guessing probably business partners. Daryl, if you want to clarify that question, I'll, I'll answer it too. But you know, so the biggest thing is like whether it's in like a relationship with like a significant other or a relationship within your business or a relationship with someone else is like. You have to, I mean, this is kind of more religious, but like have, have some grace for people and you know, what, what you're constantly thinking about, you're going to attract. So if you're constantly thinking that you're going to get screwed over yeah. and have bad business partners and get bad deals with bad people, you're going to attract that. So, so I think just to clarify this as, a, as an example, cause yeah. I think this is an example most people understand. Yeah. Right. The girlfriend that always thinks you're going to cheat on her. Yeah. 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 Are you going to marry that girl? No. Probably not. No. Because she's bringing a lot of negative energy. Yes. Right? Yes. So if you're the partner, potentially, that you're always worried you're going to get screwed, mm -hmm. you will probably attract someone. That's going to screw you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it sucks. Yeah. So uh, the other thing uh, I'll add, and Daryl, my, my opinion generally is don't get a partner. Do this on your own. Hire an integrator if you're yeah. a visionary. Yeah. But I'm also like the biggest hypocrite because I have Max Venice, yeah, who is my integrator business partner. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, but the other part of it too is, you know, what the thing you gotta look at is what choice do you have? Mm -hmm. Because you can't wear all the hats. Yep. You just can't. Yep. Um so you, you have to you have to trust. I mean, to, to build a business where you actually have freedom, like you're gonna have to trust. Like you have to have trust and faith in either your partner or your integrator or your visionary, your salespeople your dispo people, your yeah. transaction coordinator, like eventually you have to trust and and also be okay that like mistakes are gonna happen. Like a lot of mistakes are gonna a happen. A lot of mistakes are going to happen. And yeah. so and it's just having, you know, just having some grace for them and understanding that no one's perfect. You know, guiding them like when our team makes mistakes, I'm like, guys, like we can't like that cannot happen. You know, I understand how it happened. It's the first time this has happened. So it's looking at something, addressing that, and then, you know, looking at how do we make this not happen in the future? What can we do better to make sure that that doesn't happen? Right. So, you know, it's like trust, trust, but verify to you know? inspect what you expect. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And Matt Beard says that's um, 
has, is on his vision board too. So that's awesome. <laughs> uh, Draven is asking, would you tell a new visionary integrated partnership? What would you tell a new visionary integrated partnership in terms of delegation of tasks? I'll let you answer this question because this thing is uh, visionary sales and vision integrator everything else right <laughs> yeah pretty yeah. much I think I think that's a great point right like where is this going to go right yeah. the vision is where is this going to go what's the direction you got to draw uh, you got to paint the picture yep. for the whole organization yep. you got to see things that's going to happen mm -hmm. a couple years before it even happens yep and integrators like you said you just make it happen the rubber hits the road where it's like that's what actually like drives those things forward yeah. And you know, I was in coaching. Uh, I signed up for coaching around 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And one of my biggest frustrations with that coaching program is that they didn't teach me about this visionary integrator, mm -hmm. right? So like I had success yeah. despite, you know, uh, my, my, what I knew. It wasn't yeah. because of what I knew. Yeah. It was that I got, not lucky, but like I worked my way towards that success. Yeah. But if someone would just said, oh, you just need an integrator. <laughs> that would have saved, that, that would have shaved like three years yeah. <laughs> off my journey. Yeah. You know? So I think this is great that the for people to understand Rocket mm -hmm. Fuel by Gino Wickman. Yep. Getting, uh, having a visionary, having an integrator. And uh, Draven, I think that for me to answer your question is you got, every situation is different, right? Yeah. So you, you and Pace, yeah, Pace is the salesperson, yeah. and you're, you're totally happy, you know, be the back office stuff. Yeah. But you're not even really the back office anymore. Yeah. You're managing the back office I'm, now. I'm kind of like, you know, moving the pieces around, like, and just kind of like coming in and like pointing. It's it's like there's a machine that's working, but I'm coming in and pointing at this could be fixed. We need to tweak that. Hey, if we did this a little bit differently, that's going to work better. Right. Then I'm like, all right, work on that machine. I grab the next machine and kind of, you know, look at the things and how we can make it better. Like that's more so kind of what I do on a daily yeah. basis. And that's kind of how it was with me and Max, right? When mm -hmm. we started, he was the integrator, mm -hmm. but he's not a great integrator. He's not a perfect integrator. He's yeah. a good integrator, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we started mm -hmm. uh, where he was the integrator and now he manages to people to integrate integrating yeah. right so it doesn't have to be a perfect one person does all the work yeah. it's you can't evolve into a higher level of, of integrating mm -hmm. um uh, claudio wants to know where do you and pace see yourself in five years as far as long-term vision uh, i mean honestly i can make up something but i don't really know what that's going to look like in five years like everything it's hard to even know what's gonna happen in three years yeah it's like everything that's happened in you know in a year i mean um, you know, we have a lot of big goals. Um, you know, we, we want to build our, the goals that we have in our forefront right now is, you know, building up our rental portfolio. We want to have a hundred properties in that. Um, you know, we want to get our wholesale business to a point where, um, we're pretty much stepped out of it. Um, and what's important to me about us stepping out of it though, is, you know, having a wholesale business where our salespeople are happy, they're making good money. And uh, every we just wanna build a really strong wholesale operation where everybody's really happy and that people are making great money. Um, and then, you know, working on some of these other projects. I mean, that's, I don't really know what five years looks like. We eventually yeah. wanna get into development projects. We, you know, we are excited about doing stuff like that, but really we're focused on what are we doing right now towards the end of the year. Because everything changes. I mean, you know, you set your goals in January of this year. Yeah. Like in January, me and Pace had a conversation. We're not starting any new businesses. We're only going to wholesale, do our flips, do our rentals and the creative deals. And then, you know, 
six months later we have our hands in like all these different businesses and right. starting all these different things and like it's visionary <laughs> yes your job to slow them down yes yes <laughs> uh so william ayarza is asking when you're still new will you suggest sharing your visionary integrated roles within a group or until or would you wait until everything is set up everyone is set up on their own i guess, I guess. what's that question i don't really understand the question would you share within your organization i guess who's a visionary who's the integrator um, I guess it just depends. I mean, how many people are in your organization? <clears throat> it's, you know, kind of the, the natural tasks that I think kind of happen is, you know, the, the vision, like if you're just a, vi you know, there's two people, there's the integrator, the visionary, like starting off, like what it's, what I feel like it should look like is the integrator is generating the leads, helping follow up with leads and setting appointments for the uh, visionary to, you know, go and get those contracts. And then that visionary should be trying to bring, bring uh, buyer relationships, you know, helping with some of the buyers, helping sell some of those deals mm -hmm. and bringing like new relationships that can help the integrators, you know, do their job better. Um, right. And then obviously then you start hiring, but it's really visionary and on, on just how it worked for us is like Pace worked on the sales and the vision and, you know, I kind of work on all the details. Yeah, and, and uh, William, I think that uh, the roles within the organization, they will work themselves out once you start working together. Yes. Uh, but one thing you can also do when you tr if you're trying to clarify the visionary integrator roles is A, you start with rocket fuel, but then B, you got to read traction and traction sucks as a book. It's not like... It, it, it's, it gives it's you a like a hundred action items every yeah. other page. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, like. so it's an awful, awful read, <laughs> but it's a must read. Yeah. A must. Yeah. It's a top three book in in, yeah. in my opinion. Definitely. Uh, so Leo wants to know if you uh, if you knew then what you know now, or if you knew um, yeah if you knew then what you know now, what would you done different when you first started? Um, when I first started my whole with the wholesale business, I. Honestly, I don't really think I would have done much different. I like I like the learning process that I was on. Like I could have found a, a pace or you know a visionary a little bit sooner maybe. But part of that process too was like it helped me learn and understand what I was good at by not having that. So it helped me appreciate and have a better you know appreciation for you know the things that pace does for our business. Where yeah. if I would have just found someone that was doing that and he just you know crushed it with what he was already doing, I may not appreciate some of the things that he was doing because I didn't ever have to do it. Yeah. So, you know, having to do everything that I had to do, it allows me now to have respect and appreciation for everything that he does for our business. So that's awesome. Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? Um, biggest struggle. I mean, we're for for Arizona, we're high. We we're trying to hire a couple of junior acquisitions for um, our wholesale operation. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that's that's the only thing I could really think of that really struggling with. Everything is going in the right direction. Things are moving forward. Um, that's just something that, you know, just with growing. So hiring in a couple of roles, that's that's something that we're um, having a little bit of trouble with. But we haven't put a ton of energy into it. So that's probably our biggest thing right now. Yeah. And then we've kind of talked about this, you know, being an integrator. But uh, what would you consider to be your superpower? Um. I feel like my superpower is I can like come into a business and like figure out why something's not working and I know I, I can just come in and come in and like make it like function like mm -hmm. I, that's just I just it just really 
it just is natural for me to be able to like, like come in efficiency expert. Yeah. Efficiency. Yeah. So coming the, in and like how to make it, how to make things more efficient and how to, like, I can look at the processes and be like, this doesn't make sense. We need to take that out. We need to do these things. This is how we grow it. So just coming in and making it efficient and then accountability, um, you know, really, I feel like I'm really good with accountability yeah. with our team and, you know, having those weekly meetings um, and check-ins with everybody. So, yeah. you know, it's just, I'm very blunt. So it's just, <laughs> these are the numbers. I don't need a story. This is what the numbers are. Like, what, right. did, how, what did we do last week? Why didn't we perform? What can we do better this week on a mm-hmm. scale of one to 10? How do you think last week went? Why wasn't it at a 10? How do we get it closer to a 10? How do we close that gap? What's our goal for the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? What do we need to do? What are these action items that need to happen today through next week before we meet again and have this conversation again? So it's just yeah. accountability and you know having Managing. those meetings. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. That's the same thing that I have for Max because I can't do it. Yeah. I can't ask you, Cody, why did you not make the calls you said you were going to make? Yeah. <laughs> I can't have that conversation twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am I don't know why. I, I, I mean, that was what I did well in network marketing too. Like I was like the numbers with our our business on like why are recruiting numbers i'm like why wasn't there this many people at the meeting what happened how are how is the inv- how are the invites happening before so th- those are just the things that come natural so that's it's interesting <laughs> mlm really does teach you everything you need to know it really did honestly <laughs> uh what is the greatest lesson that you have learned um i think the greatest lesson it's you know goes back to that first company when everything fell apart you know i was I, I developed a, an ego in in that business because I- It's kind of understandable that age and that kind of money. Yeah, I went from, you know, being broke in high school to graduated and was making, you know, 100 grand a year with right out of high school, bought a Beamer, thought I was cool, you know, moved into a cool condo and all yeah. my friends couldn't even move out of their house and, you know, was traveling and I was being put on a pedestal at events around the country and- another, Also doesn't help with the ego. Yeah, also doesn't help with the ego. <laughs> and then, you know, it's just like, with all of, all of those things together, I just thought I was like the coolest thing. And so I think one of the best things that ever happened was that, you know, eventually falling apart mm-hmm. because it humbled me. I had to sell like me and a couple of friends we were living in like a 4,000 square foot house. Like we were just like, you know, living life and just spending all of our money. Yeah. And, you know, I ended up having to, after that happened, I had to sell my car. Um, I, oh. I, and I, and I was so, I had so much negative equity, equity and all my savings had to go to just paying it off. Oh. So I moved out of that house, had to sell my car and all of my business went away. Um, as I was, you know, transitioning into real estate, ended up having to move back at home with my parents. And I was just like, wow, like, <laughs> humbled was definitely the word. I was pretty depressed for a few months, honestly. Yeah. I was just like, got slapped in the, f- my identity was in it too. You know, I just, that was right. what my identity was wrapped in and you know, it hurt the ego heavily. And so it, it humbled me to a point where then as you know, money is started coming in within, you know, real estate when I was an agent and then obviously transitioning into the investment side of things, I'm not, I, I don't think that I'm the coolest thing in the world. Like I am grateful and I respect my work ethic and I respect myself. I have a healthy respect for myself, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm God or this, you know, I'm the best thing since sliced yeah. bread. Like I, I have a healthy appreciation for my work ethic, but I also understand I have a lot to learn. It could be taken away from you tomorrow. And, you know, so it's just having that staying humble attitude. Yeah. Well, that's a great lesson. I think life has a way of teaching you Yes. Humility. I mean, yeah. I had that same mistake, <laughs> had a lot of success in engineering. It's like, I'm going to crush it in real estate. <laughs> you just think it's just going to transition. It's just, I'm going to be a, the best. At yeah. It. <laughs> no, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> um, 
Now we've talked about traction. We've talked about rocket fuel. Yeah. Is there any other book that you say is a must read or you've gifted more than any other? Um, I would say T. Harv Eker's book on, I think it's Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always telling people to read that book, um, either listen to the Audible or, you know, actually read it. Yeah. Um, and I think the the biggest reason is like that helped me understand like financial management because it doesn't matter if you're making money, if you don't know what to do with that money, if you're blowing your money, if you're not saving it, you're not putting it away to be able to invest and grow um, for your future. Um, and then it also helps you understand like your money blueprint mm -hmm. because something that you know, outside of that book, but Darren Hardy, um, you know, I was at a live event with him a few years ago and he was talking about, he's like the, this was at our six figures and above earners in that company. And he was having a conversation. He's like, how do you go from six figures to seven figures? He's like, what's so special about this person versus this person? Why is this person making seven figures? Why is this person making six? And so he's like the seven figure earner has a thermostat, a financial thermostat that's at a different level than the six figure. So it's it's the conversation in your head of, okay, uh, imagine it like you you have a house and in Arizona, it's 110 degrees out. Inside the house, your thermostat is set for 70 degrees. If you open up all the windows, you know, in the now using this as an analogy of like as a ton of, add a bunch of money to someone's thermostat, the temperature's at 70 degrees, open all the windows, money's pouring in, close all the windows, what is the thermostat going to do? It's going to drop it back down to 70 degrees. Right people have that financial thermostat. Mm -hmm. So if their financial thermostat is set for 30 grand a year, if they get any more money than that, they will lose it. If their financial thermostat is set for 100 grand a year, if they get more money than that, they will find a way to self-sabotage, they will find a way to lose that money, they will find a way to, you know, in however way, they are going to get rid of that money. Right. Because of, you know, past programming from when you're a child and, you know, things like that. So it helps you become aware of those things because it doesn't matter, people wanna make hundred grand a year, 500 grand a year, a million dollars a year in this business. But if you get to that point and you're losing all of your money, what's the point of being there? So you have right. to do the work here to raise your financial thermostat, your personal development level to actually be able to receive that money and actually be able to enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. Often overlooked. Yes. Specifically, everyone talks about how much money you make. Yeah. And no one brags about how much money you keep. Yes, yeah. Right, that's not the sexy number. Yeah, it's Let's like, what, are you, what are you keeping? And then what are you investing? And that's yeah. growing. Right, awesome, very cool. Uh, let's see if there's anything else in here. Uh, Zachary Jennings wants to know, before you were working with Pace, what kind of lists were you uh, pulling <laughs> or what kind of list leads were you predominantly finding? And, have, and then have your lead sources changed in the past year and a half? Um, stayed the same. We text and we cold call. Those are the two marketing channels that we do. Um, hopefully text lasts, keep, continues to last because it still works great for us. But we'll see with all the stuff yeah. going on with the carriers. Um, I don't. I don't see that lasting through the year. I don't. I don't think it will. But you know, we're preparing and hiring more cold callers, and you know, we're ready to shift if we have to. But um, texting, cold calling, lists, all the lists. There's no secret list. We, you know, probate, pre foreclosure tax delinquent, evictions, high equity, unknown equity, uh, divorce, all of, I mean, all of them. We, I, was, I was doing all the ones I could afford to pull on the smaller niche when I was doing it by myself. 
but as more money started coming in, all of them, and everybody. we still continue doing all of them. Everybody's a prospect. Yeah, everybody. Everybody's a prospect. <laughs> yeah, I still get, I, I tell Jared all the time, I still get his RVM about once a quarter. I still get his too. I'm like, Jared, I like send it to him. I'm like, dude, you have me on your list. Or like my parents' house somehow it has me on there. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> uh, so, uh, and then guys, we were talking about traction. So if you guys are adamant about listening to it, uh, for me, my personal opinion is you got to download uh, on, on Audible, get a grip. It's the fable story version of Traction. So listen or read or listen to get a grip, buy the Traction book. You have to buy it. It has to be in your hands. Um, and then, uh, Daniel, I guess we'll take this as the last question from Daniel. Can you share some wisdom for the new guys? Um, for new people, the, the biggest things that I would say is, you know, you have to, Jim Rohn is one of my favorite motivational speakers and you know he, he talks about like, you have to work harder yeah. on yourself than you do on your job. Yep. And so I was just having this conversation with one of our sales guys, Nick, yesterday is I'm like, you have to work harder on yourself than you are on your job because we were talking about action items. And mm -hmm. so for him, it was you know doing more personal development, doing more sales training so that then he would be able to perform at an even higher level and reach his goals that he wants to achieve. And so, you know, that would be the biggest thing is working harder on yourself than you do on your job, number one. So doing the personal development, learning, not having analysis paralysis where you don't do anything besides learn. Don't become, you know, an event junkie where you just go to events and you buy courses and all that and don't take any action. Yeah. But understanding that you need to grow yourself and then being paid, you know, taking aggressive action but being patient with the results that come in and, and that's that's a hard balance for people it's understand. very hard yeah i'm a very patient person like i was a runner in high school so i you know i ran distance so mm -hmm. it's just i understand the plugging away i'm training for a marathon right now so it's you know it's a lot of running and it's long runs and it's just it's not going to happen overnight and so that's what you have to look at your business is it's a marathon and and you're training every day i can't believe you're running a marathon that sounds awful <laughs> um all right so I'm gonna let you think about what last thought you want to leave the listeners with, uh, guys. I mentioned this in the beginning, so um, Max and I we're doing our, our workshop July 10th, 11th, and 12th. We're gonna be having it at the Phoenician. Uh, so if you guys want to check that out, go to disruptors.com/workshop. So, last thoughts. So last thoughts. Um, well, last thoughts that I'm you know super excited about is a couple of things that you know Pace and I are working on. Mm -hmm. Is you know one is that you know VA business that we're you know helping promote VAHub.com. Right. We're super mm -hmm. excited about that and the GoKnock app that's coming out in a couple of weeks. So you know we're just really excited for a couple of things that we're launching. But uh, the last thing I would leave listeners with is you know if if you're gonna do this business, commit to doing this business and make a commitment to yourself that you're gonna succeed no matter what and give yourself some grace and some time to do it. Like yeah. say, I'm going to give it my all for the next five years to make this business work and pretty much can guarantee it'll work within five years if you do everything that you can to right. learn. And making a commitment is doing what you said you were going to do long after your emotions of the feel good have left you. So right. it's making a commitment to yourself and to your business. Awesome. Someone wants to get a hold of you. Don't give out your cell phone. <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't answer or text you back if you're calling my phone. <laughs> How can someone get a hold of you? Um, you could message me on Instagram, Cody Barton official. Um, you could find me in the creative financing with uh, Pace Morby Facebook group. Um, and those are going to be the two best ways. You could add me on Facebook, Cody Barton, shoot me a message on there. Yeah. I'm happy to you know answer questions, things like that. 
Um, but we give out a lot of value in that Facebook group yes, and, you, you know, we do a lot of lives and giveaways and different things. So those are probably the best, best spots to, to find. It's us. crazy how much you guys give away in that Facebook group. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That was fun. Awesome. Yeah, see we real estate disruptors. Can't nobody touch us. And yeah, we about to give you game. Shout out to Steve Train. Real estate disruptors.